Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you haven't already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. The Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays splitting the series two games to two. They are currently still in second place in the American League East, two and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Rays. Quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. Spoiler alert. Stay tuned. If you are easily offended, hit the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can also find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm a little bit annoyed at Major League Baseball because I didn't realize that the home run derby had been changed to uh, Sunday, June 13th at Fenway Park. Um, I wish <laughs> I had known that. I would have I would have bought some tickets. Like I would have bought tickets. I would have made a whole day out of it. It would have been great. Um, but I guess that's not the case. So I guess that's just an extra home run derby we got. So that's cool. Um, other than that, I'm great though. It was yeah. so nice of Martin Perez and Ryan Weber to offer to pitch that. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. they they looked like warm up <laughs> pitchers. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Where can they harass you on Twitter, Jason? Uh, you can find me at Color of the Iris on Twitter. That's color spelt the English way with the O U R at the end. Uh, color of the Iris. Um, I'll be tweeting about the Red Sox. I'll be complaining about their pitching. I'll be tweeting about reality TV too because that's how my life goes. But uh, mostly I'll be complaining about the Red Sox. So you can find me on there. That's my favorite soap opera every day. Oh, yeah. Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how are you? Oh, oh God. Uh, man, uh, yesterday's nightmare just couldn't end soon enough. Uh, and I, I literally couldn't even watch today. I, I, I was devastated. But feeling much better for those that are uh, wanting to hit me up. I don't remember if I actually said this on the last show. But uh, my handle is Smith underscore MLB. Feel free to send all sorts of fun jazz my way because, <laughs> let's be honest, nothing could possibly be worse than what I witnessed yesterday. <laughs> that was uh, quite the uh, train wreck. You know what I just noticed? All of us live in the cities that we're in. This show is all, you know, we live in our original cities almost. The other show, you know, there's been, you know, move moving and whatnot. So weird observation. So I just want to point out something before we do get into this. I heard a lot the last couple of years that Bo Bichette was really the best player on the Blue Jays and he was going to be better than Vladdy Jr. <laughs> no, no. Vladdy is... Um, one of the best in baseball. And he did it. He did it in the spider tack era, which is impressive. I mean, <laughs> still mashing. And I don't know. I just thought it was uh, interesting because I'm way more afraid of uh, Vladimir than I am Bo Bichette. You know, what's funny about Vladimir Guerrero is that this year in 64 games, 
He's got 22 home runs. And in his career of three times that, he has 24 career home runs. Just let that sink in for a second. You're literally witnessing the next greatest home run hitter. And it's not like, these aren't cheap home runs. Like, everything he hits, it's like, well, you you look and the outfield is just kind of like, all right, well, let's get another ball into the pitcher. We're not getting that ball back. No one's going to be, you know, ripping that ball back over the fence. It's just not happening. Like, they're not cheapies. Uh, he's abs- absolutely destroying everything. And he's he's the best player in baseball right now. I mean, this guy literally won me this week in fantasy. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I used to be afraid of Edwin Encarnacion, especially at Fenway Park. And, you know, you see a guy like Vladimir Jr., and he's just such a great kid, too. I mean... He's very similar to Rafi Devers in terms of his personality, his affability. Um, he just just can't help but but like the kid. He was singing uh, kind of the wrong words to Sweet Caroline. He had the right rhythm, but the words were coming out uh, wrong. So, but that that was uh, entertaining as well. But let's uh, get into studs and duds. Let me just kind of rattle off the scores real quick. I suppose that's a good thing to uh, get into. Friday night, Red Sox win it 6-5. to five. Then Saturday was a loss 7-2. to two. Sunday, one of the more brutal losses in recent memory, 18-4. to four. And then mercifully, we get the split tonight on Monday, 2-1. Uh, to one in a game that did not resemble the other three. So we're going to get into all of it. Studs and duds. Jason, go ahead. You're in the leadoff spot. Uh, Yeah, I'm going with Nick Pavetta. Um, No, studs. (laughs) Studs. Oh, studs. Sorry. Uh, Did I say duds? I thought... No, no. Studs first. Okay, here we go. Okay. Studs first, Alex Verdugo. Um, Verdugo was really good this series. He was one of your more consistent hitters throughout the whole series. Uh, Friday night, he won you the game. So he was he was awesome. And this is a guy that, like, he's playing on one leg. I mean, it, you know, his health is kind of a concern because he's had to rest a couple of days because the hamstring, like, He's obviously not 100%, but he's in there. He played all four games, and he's still he's still hitting. He went 5 for 16, and he had that walk-off hit on Friday night, which was awesome. Um, he's still getting on base consistently at a really consistent clip. And, you know, this is a guy that you need. This offense is not exactly as electric as people were hoping it would be. Um, you know, it, it's kind of been up and down. Bogarts has been up and down. Devers, I think, started out really slow. He's starting to pick it up now. But, you know, Jay Martinez, he had that wrist injury. He had to miss a couple games. Now he's back in there. But Verdugo at a 284 clip is he's showing a little bit of power. He's hitting in clutch moments. And again, like, I don't think he's 100% healthy. I, I think honestly, like, if the Red Sox weren't contending, he'd be looking at an IL stint. So um, I've been really impressed with him. I, I'm impressed with the way that he just grinds it out every single game. He brings it every single game. He still brings that energy, which especially right now, I think they really need because the team is definitely struggling um, with everything that's going on with the pitching staff and whatnot. So I'm happy to see that he's doing that. And again, like, I, I, I harp on Mookie Betts all the time. I know people on Twitter get annoyed about it, but I can't help but bring it up. Mookie Betts hitting, what, around 250 with a couple of home runs, and he's not exactly looking like a $30 million player. And you got Verdugo over here sitting 284, and he's winning you ball games. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not going to declare it like a definitive win for the Red Sox just yet. You know, it's still early to mid-June, but – I don't know. Verdugo's looking really good, and he's looking like the big prize in that Mookie trade that we all thought he would be. So I've been really impressed, and I just hope that he still stays healthy. You know, don't don't push him too much. If he needs days off, if he needs an IL stint even, 
I know this team doesn't really need more guys going on the IL, but if Verdugo's hamstring is that bad and, and he needs an IL stint, do it. Don't don't push it because you're gonna need this need this guy going down the stretch. Charlie. Yeah, um it, it was I don't want to say relatively quiet, but I feel like this is the first time that Alex Verdugo in a series has decided a game with one swing. Like in a series this year, he went one for seven, but his hit was a clutch one and it won us the game. Um, If we weren't facing the closer or whatever you want to call Rafael Dolis for Toronto, I don't know if we win game one. And I think we have a shot at potentially getting swept because if we didn't win game one, uh, it was just a nightmare from the start, from start to finish. But Verdugo has been consistently one of the better players on this team, and it's kind of hard to put him or even consider him in the dud category for for anything really. Um, I remember at the beginning of this year we did our our picks for MVPs, and Terry, I think he was your pick for MVP, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was your pick for MVP, and it it wasn't that completely far fetched. Like if he got hot, what's to say that he couldn't stop hitting? And and I mean it wasn't that far fetched. So. Um, He's been very, very good. Uh, I, I can't complain. And literally, if people were to say or look at the numbers for Alex Verdugo and, and and Mookie Betts without their names attached, for people that haven't been paying attention this year, if you were to say, okay, whose numbers are these? They would assume it's Mookie Betts, and the, the numbers that weren't doing as well would be Alex Verdugo's. So it's it's been a pleasant surprise, and as crazy as it was to trade away uh, a perennial talent uh, like Mookie Betts, the response so far in year two hasn't translated to failure. So uh, you, you think about the financial aspect of it. You're spending how many millions less? Like, it's just, it's dumb. So kudos to him for what he's getting paid. This kid is a stud. I said all winter long, just as far as Verdugo went, just give me 2013 Shane Victorino. And that's all I care about. That's all I care about with Alex Verdugo. And I, you can't really compare them to on how they play. But the one thing I love about Verdugo is not only is he clutch like a couple other players, but he doesn't strike out. He very seldom strikes out. He, he's among one of the lowest in the league. Uh, for guys that qualify per however many at-bats. And just one of the better plate appearances you'll see on the Red Sox. So love everything I see. I, I love that he's a gamer. Um, Bogarts was out for two games, supposedly with a knee issue. Who knows? Uh, you know, I, Bogarts is my favorite player, like I said before we started recording, but... Uh, he does. He just seems a little soft sometimes. He he's quick to need a day off for something that a lot of other guys would just play through. So and and Verdugo's one of those guys who would play through it, and I love to see it. I love to see it. I, I'm kind of questioning whether he's gonna be a part of the real long term future. Is he gonna be one of the guys that gets an extension? I think there's a little bit of cause for concern because he, he has had persistent back issues and apparently leg problems right now. So, But we'll take what we can get, and it, it was definitely a big series for him. Charlie, your stud for the series. So this is going to come as a complete shock. Um <laughs> And I shared this before uh, in, in the group chat where I said that this is a guy that gets absolutely owned. Owned with a big O at the beginning when he faces the Red Sox. So my stud for this series is actually Rafael Delis. So why would I pick a player on the other team? Because he makes us look good. He literally makes us look good. Dolis in this series lost two of those games for Toronto. We played four games. He lost two of them. Not too bad. Why else was this big? In one and a third innings, he gave up three runs, two earned, and five hits. 
with one walk, one strikeout. Yes, that's a, a little little south of an 18 ERA. Uh, he just, it, it doesn't seem to matter. Whenever we face uh, uh, Dolis, we, we always do well. Against the Red Sox this year, in four and one-third innings pitched, he's allowed 10 hits, seven runs, six earned, two homers, four walks, seven strikeouts, an 0 and 3 record with a blown save and a hold. Against the rest of baseball, he's 2 and 0 with two holds. And his ERA is far less against the rest of Major League Baseball. He just doesn't like Boston. Boston loves facing him. So this to me seemed a little, you know, outside the box as far as thinking, but you know what? I tend to do that sometimes. I'm the guy that picks Corbin Burns when everyone's like, "Who?" So Dolis is my stud for this series. Go ahead. Yeah, the, yeah this guy kind of sucks. Um, it's unbelievable that Toronto still has him on their staff. And granted, I don't think their bullpen is uh, all that great shakes, but this guy Dolis, man, he, he just, I think Eckersley pointed out, he's like, he looks like he just doesn't want to be out there when he's on the mound. Like, he, he comes out from the bullpen looking exhausted. Um, I'm surprised they didn't let him pitch in the 18-4 to 4 game. Like, at least let him do some mop-up duty, get that ERA down, you know? But they didn't even let him do that. Um, yeah, I'm glad the Red Sox at least can own one Toronto pitcher and at least have a little bit of success there. But um, he's, yeah, he's not a great pitcher. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on the Blue Jays roster later on in the season after the trade deadline, because I think that team is going places. I think that team is going to compete for a wild card. I think they're going to add to that bullpen. And I don't see that guy to lease uh, pitching in any high leverage situations down the road anytime soon. You know, Barnes gave up the the hit to the home run to Vladimir, and you're going into extra innings. And when Dolis comes out, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. We got a chance to walk it off. And actually, that was the bottom of the night, so we weren't in extra innings yet. But I just thought, man, this is the guy I want to see. And two straight hits from Alex Verdugo, J.D. Martinez. And after the Martinez hit, you could just see this look on Dolis's face like, oh, here we go again. These guys own me, and it's happening again. And it did happen again. Devers, you know, hit the hit the walk off there, off the uh, wall out there. I think it was in uh, left center. And uh, Verdugo came home on it. And... It was great, and I hope they continue to send him out there against us in high leverage because we're going to put up at least one or two on them if that happens. So, And we always had Roberto Osuna's number when he was their closer, and then when he went to Houston, we had his number again. Jackie Bradley just pelted that guy in the, in the ALCS, got the MVP for it, and here we are again with another Toronto pitcher, so... Love to see it. My stud for the series is a guy, admittedly, I've been a huge apologist for. And I think he's the second best reliever in the bullpen at this point. I'm going there. Josh Taylor, I think, is the second best reliever in the Red Sox bullpen. And I know Adam Ottavino's on a heck of a run. I'm still going to put Barnes at number one, even with the hiccup tonight. But... Josh Taylor has had 17 straight appearances since April 24th, has not given up a run since then in 17 straight appearances. This series alone, he needed four outs today. He Nathan Avoli got that double play, luckily, because <laughs> that inning almost went sideways. And he all Avoli has that one inning that just he he just completely loses it and Three, four, five runs get scored, and I thought, here we go. And then Evaldi gets the double play. 
Taylor gets brought in tonight with uh, one out left in the inning and, you know, gets the out. And then the, the very next inning, three up, three down. He also got two outs uh, in the sixth inning on uh, to finish out uh, Garrett Richards' start in game one. Garrett Richards went five and one-third, so Taylor came in. Uh, to get those last two outs, those were strikeouts. So of the seven batters he faced, excuse me, six batters he faced, five were strikeouts. He struck out five out of six batters. And that slider is looking more and more nasty. This is a guy that's just really owning it every time out. And the interesting thing is he showed flashes of it in 2019 when Dana Levangie was the pitching coach. And now, of course, Dave Bush. And he's even more dominant now. So I think we're seeing the the potential he's always had. I think he's going to be a high leverage guy for the rest of the season. And don't forget, I've said it a bunch of times on here. We got him for Devin Marrero. We traded Devin Marrero, who's like, it would be like trading Michael Chavis right now. Same Chavis is in the same exact spot that Marrero was in leading up to the trade. And we parlayed that into Josh Taylor. So I couldn't be more thrilled. And someone trolled me, uh, you know, in a positive way and said, I would buy a Josh Taylor jersey. I don't know if I shared that tweet with you, but he got it from me mentioning it on the show. So that might be my next jersey. I might get a Darwin's in one too, though. I'm a big uh, Darwin's in fan who I don't think pitched or did he? Maybe. No, I don't think he pitched this series. He didn't pitch the series. No. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, so Jason, thoughts on Josh Taylor? Yeah. Um, mostly I'm encouraged by what you say is his last 17 appearances that he's been really good. 17. So. I counted them uh, a few minutes ago. Okay, so yeah, that that timeline encourages me. Uh, We'll get into that timeline a a little bit later as to why that makes me optimistic. But yeah, I like that he's a guy that he throws, you know, upper 90s. He's a left-hander. He's a big, tall left-hander. So that's tough for left-handed hitters in this division and in this, uh, you know, in the American League. So He's been good, and I was hard on him when he first came back. I was not impressed. I thought that, you know, okay, flash in the pan, he got hurt, and now he can't get it back together. But it took him a little bit. He did get it back together. And you've got him and Darwinson just throwing bullets out of the bullpen as two young left-handers who are just getting it done. Um, That's encouraging. This bullpen needs that. When's the last time the Red Sox had a real – good dominant left-hander out of the bullpen. It's been a long time. So um, I'm hoping Taylor keeps it together. I'm hoping he stays healthy. Um, I'm hoping that <clears throat> certain aspects of this season don't affect him too much. Um, but, <laughs> but otherwise, I there's reason to be optimistic. He looks really good. And, you know, if he keeps it together, that's a good seventh, eighth inning guy that you can rely on, especially – if you've got a lineup of left-handers coming up, you know, Taylor's a good option. So very impressed with him this series. He looked awesome. He's been great lately. I just hope he keeps it up and stays healthy. So I, I'm, i I'm very critical. When stuff does not go my way, and by my way, I mean the team's way, our way, um, I'm very critical. I can be downright negative at times, and sometimes it's justified, like, when you give up 18 runs in a game, that sucks. Um, I would be lying if I said, oh, yeah, I totally knew this guy was good. <laughs> Not accurate. Because at the beginning of the year, he gave up four runs against Baltimore. At the beginning of the season, when we, we lost the first series, I remember sitting there like, Jesus, oh, Lord, our lefties just can't get it done. Like, we have no lefties in the bullpen. He's given up nine earned runs this year. Discount the first three games of the season. He's given up three runs in 19 and a third innings. That translates to a 1.4 ERA. For a reliever, that's dumb good. That's dumb good. 
is he the second best reliever that you have on your team? You could you could make a case that he's he's as good as as your first guy. Um are we concerned about Josh Taylor and this spider tax stuff? Has his name even remotely come close to being mentioned? Did his revolutions evolve or change? It wasn't like a starting pitcher that we may or may not have that just threw up on his shoes. There you go, Jason. Figured I'd throw one of your isms out there. Uh, it just, I'm thoroughly impressed. I, I, I would be, I'd be lying and I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't give him kudos for doing what he's doing right now. Two innings, five strikeouts. He's striking out 83% of the people you see. That's like Darwin's and Hernandez in two series this year when he struck out what seven guys in two and two thirds or eight guys in uh, three innings of work. Like this is, you have two stud left-handed pitchers when they're on. And he's been on since the end of April. 17 starts, Terry, you said? Uh, 17 appearances, yeah. Count today, 18. Uh, true, yeah. Right? Yeah, because uh, I use Th- baseball that, reference and they don't update right away. Right. Yep. And they don't update for 24, uh, for 24 hours. So he's had 18 straight starts where he hasn't allowed a run. I remember one time he got saved. But it, you know what? It doesn't matter. He still didn't allow a run. So the rest of the team was able to rally around him. He's if if a team comes knocking on the deadline asking what can they get for for Josh Taylor, Heim Bloom must be like drooling with what he's going to have for options. That's all I'm saying. I hope I hope that don't happen. I I will admit one thing though. When it was really bad in the month of April, I did kind of, you know, start to express doubt. So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I knew it the whole time. I knew it'd come around. Because honestly, I mean, there there was a moment where I was like, geez, you know, maybe maybe he's not going to be around much longer. But he he did turn it around. So, all right, honorable, honorable mentions. There are some stuff to get into uh, within these. Um, just in the lineup, J.D. Martinez – Four for 15, we'll take that. Raphael Devers, four for 12, uh, including tonight's walk-off. So, well done there. Uh, No one else really in the lineup uh, besides uh, one or two duds we'll get to. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, first game, uh, pitched uh, two full innings, only gave up two hits, walked one, struck out three. Uh, Did not give up a run, though. Christian Arroyo, Marwin Gonzalez, each pitched a scoreless inning in that massacre. Uh, nice to see. And um, we'll get into Avaldi in a second, but this is the more hilarious one. Arguably one of the better pitching performances this weekend. Brandon Brennan, a guy we got off the scrap heap in Seattle, pitches three scoreless innings, doesn't give up a single run. Uh, walks two, strikes out one, so a lot of uh, contact outs there. But the key word here, three scoreless innings, no earned runs, designated for assignment hours later. <laughs> nice job, kid. Pack your bags. Uh, and, yeah, so he, I don't know, he might get claimed. I, I don't know what will happen with him, but uh Kind of kind of cruel how baseball works sometimes. And then finally, uh, you know what? Let's get into Nathan Avaldi in a little while because I, I think that'll have better context. We'll kind of go a little out of order here. But he looked excellent tonight, and we're going to get into that. Uh, so getting into the duds, Jason, this is going to be loaded. There's going to be some freestyling, and we're going to go into some areas that um, – that pertained to the disclaimer at uh, the uh, intro of the show. So go ahead, Jason. You're you're done for the series. Yeah, I uh, I jumped the gun earlier because I was so excited to to <laughs> talk about this stud. That that's how angry I got about Nick Pavetta. But yeah, Nick Pavetta is my stud or dud. my dud rather <laughs> dud. Jeez, yeah. Um, he was terrible. So he went five innings. He gave up six runs, um, four of which were off of home runs. And the stat on Nick Pavetta coming into this game, it was unbelievable. And I'm glad that Remy 
mentioned it on the podcast or on the broadcast because I didn't even know this going in, but hitters were hitting 160 off of Nick Pavetta's curveball heading into the Toronto series. And then he gave up four home runs in that game, six earned. And if anyone watched that game, you saw it. They were softball pitches. I mean, they were batting practice, home run derby kind of pitches, like breaking balls that had no break, breaking balls that were just hanging up in the zone. Like, those are the kind of pitches that when I'm playing MLB The Show at home, like, I my eyes my eyes light up. I'm not a professional baseball player, and my eyes would light up on those pitches. I'd hammer the X button and hit that ball 500 feet. That's what Toronto was doing. It was such a joke, and I'm sorry, but you look at a guy like Nick Pavetta, who we've talked about heading into this year, like ERA, career ERA over five. Never really got it going. Over in the six, major. actually. Over six. Over six. Even even worse. Over <laughs> six. So so this was a true bum. This guy was a true bum. And we get him from Philly for nothing. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we got him for nothing. Oh, boy, what a great trade. Oh, you only gave up Workman and Hembry. Oh, well, they're gone. Who cares? We got a starting pitcher for nothing. Okay. And sure, first two months of the season, yeah, Pavetta all of a sudden. Oh, wow, Nick Pavetta. Wow. Wow. Alex Kors, a magician. How did he get Nick Pavetta to just turn it around here? This is amazing. Wow. And then all of a sudden, MLB comes out and says, uh, hey, hello, hello, starting pitchers. Hi. Uh, yeah, we're going to crack down on that crap you've been putting all over the ball. So you've got one week to fix it. So if you're doing it, you better knock that crap off. Guess we're coming after it next week. And what do you know? All of a sudden, Nick Pavetta goes out against Toronto and looks like an ass clown and pitches terribly, gives up four home runs, and oh, Looks like the Nick Pavetta who had an ERA over six before he got to Boston. What a quinky dink. Jeez, I wonder how that happened. So I don't know. I you know, maybe Nick Pavetta was putting a little spider tack on something, you know, first two months of the season. I don't know. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm praying, because I am actually a Red Sox fan, that this is just a one-off. It was just a bad start, and he faced a tough lineup and He'll bounce back, but I don't know. You tell me. You you saw those sliders going chest high, letter high, that were just hanging up there for everyone to hammer. Like, I don't know. Didn't look great. I'm not encouraged. I'm very worried that Nick Pavetta is all of a sudden going to turn back into the Philadelphia Nick Pavetta, and he's going to have ERA over six by the end of the year. So um, definitely something to be concerned about. So, I mean, I would never question you, you're being a Red Sox fan. I would hate to be questioned if I was a supporter of of the team. But I will say this, when you have a starting pitcher that I don't want to say looks like he's grooving pitches, the pitch you threw to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was millimeters off of like a perfect strike down the pipe. The home run ball that Bo Bichette hit that probably still hasn't come down yet to deep center field was another pipeline shot. Um, you're, you're grooving. I don't know if it's a mechanic problem, but when you've given up three home runs in an inning, you're doing something wrong. When you've given up a pitch, when you've given up a home run to the same pitch in the same spot twice, but you've literally given up a home run four times because you literally, if you're doing a three by three grid and you throw it on the five, literally right down the pipe, you're going to lose that battle six ways to Sunday. You're Nick Pavetta. You're not Pedro Martinez. And it does raise some concern. Was he doing great last year towards the end of the year for the Red Sox? Yes. Did he do great to the at the beginning of this year? Yes. But he was getting run support. Now with the spider attack situation, you're seeing a different Nick Pavetta. Question now is what happens in the next start? Because today we saw 
a pitcher's duel, which was the antithesis of what we saw yesterday and the day before that. It was home run derby yesterday. Today was not home run derby until the top of the ninth inning when Vladdy sent another one into the to the moon. Um, I'm very I'm I'm very curious. I'm I don't know how it's like my thoughts about Zach Greinke. He's he's frustratingly interesting. I'm I'm concerned and interested. This is a peculiar situation that we find ourselves in because we just got smoked. We just got our asses handed to us. And then we managed to almost win, you know, almost lose it again uh, in the ninth inning. Um, I'm I'm very curious to see what happens now with our whole starting rotation. There's so many coincidences in play right now. It's just it's just a mind and then the F word. Um Toronto has a lineup that can make any pitching staff look bad. So does so does the Astros. And But when the commissioner told these guys, starting next Monday, you're going to be inspected possibly multiple times a game, it seemed like that was the turning point. That was the turning point for a lot of these starters to kind of take a nosedive. And we're going to get into it more here in a second with someone else, but... It's it's hard. And Chad Finn from The Athletic published an article, I think, let's see, on Saturday. And he showed two charts for every pitcher. For every pitcher, he had their five-year chart with their spin rate metrics and some of their other stuff. And then he also had a chart for the, each pitcher's last handful of starts. And there was no, nothing to really suggest that their spin rate was higher this season compared to any other season. So everything seemed to be in line. And I tweeted back at him. I said, well, wouldn't it be reasonable to believe that maybe spider tack for example could still aid a pitcher in locating his pitch even if it's not spinning wouldn't he still be able to locate the pitch a little bit better and uh chad finn admitted that yeah it's possible and that he had considered the same thing but just kind of seemed to lean on on what the chart said so I don't know if they're doing it or not, but there's a lot of coincidences in play here, and it's going to be interesting in the coming days. Now, I haven't, I was getting ready for the show, so I haven't really seen what's gone on in other games tonight, but it'll be interesting, if not tonight, throughout the week, to see if anybody does get caught with any substances and and what the fallout could possibly be. I don't suspect it's going to happen with any Red Sox players uh, over the next week. I think we could see some bad performances and and whatnot. But, but that was a different Nick Pavetta. And it's timed with the commissioner's warning that they would be inspected over the course of the next week. And you did see some spin rates on other pitchers come down, by the way. Marcus Stroman's pitch uh, spin rate was down. Trevor Bauer's spin rate was also down. So guys are taking it seriously, and so we'll see. But kind of keeping with the theme, Charlie, who is your dud for the series? So my dud was Martin Perez. Um Perez just didn't have it. Um, and it was it was rough because I feel like we were giving him, we were lauding him. We were just giving him so much love. And 
finally, it was Martin Perez coming back down to reality. Um, he's had two clunkers, you know, like it's, he just saw his ERA jump from 3.0 to 4.5. His ERA just rose 50%. He's given up 11 runs in the last three and a third. He didn't even strike anyone out. Like you just, it's just disappointing because like we we've, we've given him so much credit I mean, he started the season off 0-2. He had a fantastic month of May with a sub-3 ERA, a 3-0 record. Brought that, you know, the ERA down to just over three, four straight wins. And then <sighs> reality clicks back in, and it's just like, all right, for those fools that finally drank the punch, congratulations, now you got to keep drinking, and there's nothing left. You just... It's just disappointing. Like, you hate to see your guys go down like that, but when you go from pitching all season, and I'm looking at his starts, he didn't have one start before Houston's game where he gave up more than four. He's had back-to-back where he's allowed five or more. It's just it's just disappointing. But, I mean, that was, that was my dud. Less than 60% strikes thrown. You couldn't even strike anyone out. You had no strikeouts. Yes, I get that you only pitched an inning and a third, but dude, come on. Jason. It yeah, it wasn't the no strikeouts wasn't as big a concern for me as the three home runs in an inning and a third. I mean, that's that's all time bad. That's real bad for a starting pitcher. Um and I, I tweeted out sarcastically. I said, happy Perez Day, everybody. Like, did you really think that this is what this guy was? He, you know, he was a top prospect with Texas when he came up, but it never panned out. He sucked in Minnesota. And then he came here. He had a decent year last year. Not, like, spectacular, but he was decent. And he has, like Charlie said, he had an ERA over, just over three. Heading into this year, and he was winning games, and everyone said, "Oh, Alex Cora, he figured it out. He got Martin Perez back on the right track. That Alex Cora, he's he's a magician." And it's like, did you really believe that? Did you really buy into that? Like, keep drinking out of that empty punch bowl because this is what Martin Perez is. And again, like, I'm sorry, I I'm not giving any of these guys the benefit of the doubt. I, I know a lot of Red Sox fans want to, but I can't do it. I, I you know after you know after this past week with everything that's gone on with MLB and and the spider attack thing for Martin Perez to go out there and not just look a little bit worse, he looked horrid. Like it, it's one thing to go from being really good to being like eh, you know, a little bit of a bad start, not a great start, a little bit rocky. No, 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 no. He was a joke. Like, he looked like a guy that they called up from, like, the Cape Cod League. And they're like, oh, let's just toss him out there and see what he does. And he got hammered. And he only lasted an inning and a third. Like, that's not acceptable. And that's that's at the point where you look at a guy like Martin Perez, who's been in the major leagues for as long as he has, and you go, okay, with everything that's come out, you now have probably the worst start of your career it's hard not to draw those lines. It's hard not to draw that comparison and make that link. So um, I put Perez in the same category that I do Pavetta. Just, oh, look, another guy who all of a sudden just was having a good first two months, and now all of a sudden just, oh, there it goes. He's gone. He, you know, he can't pitch anymore. He's getting lit up. So um, big time, big time scary stuff for the Red Sox rotation, because if this is the way it's going to go for the rest of the year, oh, we're screwed. We're well, big here, time screwed. <laughs> here, here's, here's the other thing, too. And the home run ball, I mean, it, it wasn't just Perez. Pavetta was getting was getting boned on it. He was getting boned on it. I mean, our, Ryan Weber just got shellacked. For 11, I think it was 11 runs on 13 hits. Yeah, but he's yeah, not a big seven guys. No, he's not a big pitcher. Uh, he's not. But it didn't matter who pitched. Nah. Martin Perez 
in the month of April gave up one home run. He gave up three in the month of May. He matched his total month of May in an inning and a third. In the last two games, he's given up four. He matched the whole season before those two starts. That's what, 12 starts? He gave up four home runs in the last two. He's given up four. Like, if if warning flags, warning signs, and, like, bells aren't going off for you right now, I, I'm sorry. You can support the team all you damn well please. But this is this is scary. Like, any thought of trading Erod or somebody else at the deadline, that's gone. I mean, you're not you're not trading one of those guys to be a contender. At this point, you've accepted fate that this team may not be going anywhere. You you just you lost the division, and I don't think we're gonna get it back. In fact, I'm saying it now, right now on June 14th, we're not gonna get the division back. We lost the division. Well, I picked Tampa to win from day one. I was the only one who had Tampa winning on the uh on the previous um, on the season preview, rather the scary thing here that that seems to be the the key word, and and it's it's appropriate. Three starts ago, Perez went seven and two thirds innings against the Houston Astros, one of the toughest offenses, and I think he gave up one run. I couldn't pull up the stats quick enough, but I think he gave up one run. And then in his next start, which happened to be against the Astros, again, because the Yankees series was sandwiched in between and Perez didn't pitch there. But again, against the Astros, he went two innings, gave up a ton of runs. And that was scary because by then we knew the commissioner's new rules were going to be implemented uh, on Monday, the following Monday. And so coming into the start on Sunday, you're just hoping. You're just hoping he has it because if he doesn't, the elephant stays in the room. If he goes out there and lights up that offense and shuts them down, the elephant leaves the room. And especially after today with the Voldy start, you're probably feeling pretty good, but it didn't happen. And Andrew on the last show, I think he pointed out that Perez had terrible body language in the second Astro start. Like he just didn't, he didn't have it. He didn't look like he wanted to be out there. And I was noticing it on Sunday uh, against against uh, the Blue Jays, excuse me, brain fart. Um, he just looked like he was, he looked like he was disgruntled on the mound, like he was mad about something. Like he had a chip on his shoulder about something and I can't get in his head and, and maybe maybe I'm misreading it. I don't know. We can't prove anything on this podcast. We're just speculating for the record. But, but it, it was very uncomfortable to watch and he wanted Cora to come out there and pull him. Like the, he didn't even want to like, he didn't want to game through it at all. And so terrible start. He was asked after the game. I don't know the exact words and I, I don't know who exactly asked him. I, I didn't, I didn't rewatch it, but the beat writer mentioned spider tack and whatever. And, and Martin Perez dismissed all of it and says, that's not what I do. I've never done that. And his exact words were, I'm not a cheater pitcher. And so that he was very emphatic about that and uh, didn't seem to have any problems confronting the reporter on that. I wish I knew who it was because half of them I can't stand, but um but yeah, so Perez I uh, I almost hard. wonder. Yeah, I almost wonder if Perez is is in the category of pitchers who weren't necessarily using spider tech or anything else that was like on the banned list or the uh, unspoken banned list. But what if he's just a guy that used a little more rosin than some other guys, or used a little more something else? 
that isn't exactly illegal, but I wonder if like Cora, because again, Cora's got you know, like the microscope on him. So I wonder if Cora went to all his pictures and said, Hey, whatever you're doing, you've got to stop all of it. Because if I get bagged, I'm screwed. And if I get bagged, we're all screwed. And I wonder if he told Perez and all these other guys, Hey, whatever you're doing, you've got to stop. You've just got to be a regular pitcher. And I wonder if just Perez is one of these guys that maybe he wasn't using spider tag or anything else, but he was just doing a little tad extra and he felt like he couldn't. And because of that, he had a bad start and he was frustrated with his manager because the microscopes on them. And maybe that's what led to the body language. I don't know. That's just my speculation, but I don't know. Because he was, you're right. He was pretty emphatic that like he didn't, use any of that stuff like he was the exact opposite of garrett cole who looked guilty as sin so (laughs) yeah that was just my yeah we talked about that on the last show where cole was asked point blank have you ever used spider tack and after stumbling for about 15 or 20 seconds which felt like a full minute he's like uh well i don't know how to answer that and so yeah so is what it is and that that's a good observation jason uh maybe maybe the red sox are a little more paranoid because they have a rap sheet now because of the abusive video room tactics they were apparently using which led to the loss of a second round draft pick some other homer podcasts like to say that the red sox got off scot-free and they were completely exonerated no the red sox got caught cheating (laughs) and you know, so we tell it like it is on this show. The Homer podcasts will, uh, you know. Some teams didn't get punished. They'll, they'll Yankees be in- never had anything happen to them. I don't think anything's going to happen to Garrett Cole. I mean, he plays for the Yankees. That's the Manfred punishment. Doesn't- That's the punishment, though. <laughs> you know, I mean, that we can say whatever we want, but, like, I don't think anything's going to happen to him, which sucks. Like, it blows. Like, I don't think anything's going to happen to him. He can get away with literally murder. Um and the, the other issue was I, I don't think players are hiding it like on their neck, under their like it's in on their the glove. Hand. It's in the glove because yeah. you see pitchers now remove the glove and then they're like literally they're freaking applying it to the ball. And then they put their hand back in the glove, the ball comes back from the pitch or from the catcher, they take off the glove again and they're reapplying stuff again. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you putting on it? Glove. And the other interesting thing here is once they get this all sorted out, are are they going to have to move the mound now or lower it? Like, does this solve it? Because batting averages went up. There were more hits. There were less strikeouts. So maybe that was really what needed to be addressed. Well, doesn't that – that that's uh, Theo's theme, right? Doesn't Theo have seen what the, the mound moved back? He might. I think – yeah, I think that was one of the first things he said. Like, well, he didn't like say it definitively, but he suggested it. You know, when he took his new role, he's like, "Well, maybe we move the moon, the mound back a little bit." Like, you know, it was sort of like he sort of slid it in there, so that gives him more ammunition. Yeah, the thing I hate about the Theo thing now is he's just in there to be the pitch man now because everybody hates Manfred so much. We're gonna hate everything automatically. You know, because we hate him. Like, for instance, this is a very extreme facetious scenario. But if Manfred was like, you know, I I think we should increase the innings to four outs instead of three. We would all, you know, light the stadiums on fire. But if Theo pitched the idea, everybody would be like, oh, my God, what a genius. And, you know, and that's just so that's what's going to drive me nuts about the Theo thing. But I don't know about that one. No, a, a I know. Minimum. I, I probably should have just said two outs instead of three and went with that one. <laughs> you know, that the speed works. Of, yeah. But anyway, so we're getting uh, we're getting all late on time. So we won't spend much time on mine because he's been a frequent flyer in the dud segment. Kike Hernandez returned back to the leadoff spot after doing fairly well, I thought, down in the seven, eight hole area. Went one for 16 in this Blue Jays series. So that's the production we got from our leadoff hitter. And it's just not working. It's just not working. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've said it about this guy from the beginning of the year. He's a glorified utility guy. Um, he was glorified because he played for the Dodgers, and the Dodgers won a lot, and he had a lot of postseason moments, which is great for him, but largely overrated as a player. Uh, gets exposed when he plays every day. Gets exposed especially when he's hitting leadoff every day. Um, look, he's he's a good, sound baseball player. Do I like him over Marwin in the outfield? Absolutely. But do I want him hitting leadoff? No, I don't. Um, love Kike. He's, you know, looks like a good clubhouse guy. I'm sure he's, you know, I'm sure on the field that, you know, he gives more energy than we see through the TV stream. But overall, just not a good leadoff hitter. Needs to be further down in the lineup and uh, needs to not be playing every day. Just, you know, play every three days or something like that because he's getting exposed. It's it's hard. I um, It's becoming difficult to speak highly about the, the move that the Red Sox made because it's just he's finding new ways to disappoint. And when you go one for 16, albeit you had a nice two-run double in a game that did not matter. So you can hit when it doesn't matter. You were 0 for 15 outside of that one hit. That's Franchi bad. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that's, that's that's I shouldn't say that because Franchi's won't get him out. Now, it's, now I, listen, you, you be careful about how you talk about the future David Ortiz. Now. Hey, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Charlie. Making a case, I'm sorry. I just, I can't do it. I can't keep my mouth shut about him anymore. That man had a leash so long. It's... I, it's like you're toying with the kid. Like you, you're giving him the idea that he's actually a major league baseball player for over a month. But we DFA a guy after three innings of shutout baseball. There's no, <laughs> I mean, there's no logic here at all. You bring Ryan Weber up here. You bring Ryan, Ryan Weber up here who comes up in a BS game, who cleans up for your starter, who doesn't do his job, gives up 11 runs on 13 hits. You think another team is ever going to take a chance on Ryan Weber? He wasn't bad for us a, 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 not that long ago. He struck out seven guys in five and two thirds. Yeah, I, I know some people are going to say, "Oh, what, whatever, strikeouts." He, he's a double A pitcher, triple A pitcher. He at least registered more strikeouts than your starter. He went four times deeper than your starter. Yes, he gave up twice as many runs. I would still like to see Ryan Weber again than Martin Perez. I'd like to see either one of those guys like Brennan or Weber over Frenchie Cordero ever again. What are we doing? You know, I'm just going to say it right now. Ryan Weber gave up 11 runs, but that was one of the most heroic bullet taking moments I've ever seen. He, he was like Al Pacino at the end of Scarface, just getting lit up, just taking bullets for that bullpen. That way, Adam Ottavino wouldn't have to come in and pitch because he was rested. And and uh, and then, of course, you know, Marwin and Arroyo came in and pitched scoreless innings, which isn't fair because they're, you know, position players. And the actual pitchers were the ones who got shelled. But... But let's get into the uh, Atlanta series here. Question. Hey, Terry, do you think the Red Sox are going to send him like an edible arrangements or something as like a thank you? Or <laughs> no, is that like completely out of the question? Uh, they should chip in and get him something. You know, it's the least I don't know if they'll do that, but I, I kind of hope that Weber donates his balls to Garrett Richards. Maybe then we'll get a good season out of him. Yeah, absolutely. Let me see. Here we go. So we have another annoying two-game set. Andrew and Job get all the two-game sets. <laughs> you guys do the four-gamers. They get the two-gamers. Uh, they're National League home-and-home home, uh, games. So uh, we've we've already played two in Atlanta. So uh, – oh, no, this – no, two at Fenway, and these two are in Atlanta. So uh, Eduardo Rodriguez will go up against Tucker Davidson – uh, on Tuesday night at 7.20 Eastern. 
Rodriguez has looked a lot better, but we're facing a guy who uh, is basically a rookie. Three starts, 1.53 ERA. We never beat those guys. We lose to those guys all the time. Yeah, this looks like a classic Red Sox know nothing about this guy, and they're just going to be flailing away up there at the plate. I'm sure that Xander will get another day off, even though he's had two already. So he'll get another day off, and we'll score two runs, and yeah, that'll be it. Won't won't be enough. So what's really cute about this guy is that so far through the month of June, he's given up no runs, no homers, walks a lot of guys, which is no stranger to the Red Sox bullpen. Um, I don't feel very good about this. I, I don't feel very good about game one, and I especially don't feel very good that we're facing Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson against Garrett Richards? That's 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 not even fool's gold. That's a, a no-brainer. Yeah, and uh, so I think uh, we're we're putting that in the loss column. Um, second game, Garrett Richards against Ian Anderson, who is a basically a top of the rotation type guy for Atlanta. Had uh, some good playoff appearances uh, last fall. So uh, Richards been scuffling a little bit. He gave up eleven hits in his five and one third. Uh, Richards did in his last start. So 11 hits, four earned runs. Hopefully we see a little bit, you know, better uh, better command, more control, and a lot less hits, basically. He's the guy we're kind of looking at because his curveball is in the top 100th percentile, which... To his credit, though, has been since 2015, so it's been that way all along. But he's a guy you want to see go out there and and have no elephant uh, lingering around, laying on the sofa while he's trying to navigate his way through at least five innings. Oh, no, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm thrilled to watch Garrett Richards against uh, Acuna, Freddie Freeman, uh, even Pablo Sandoval, I hope Pablo Sandoval plays these two <laughs> games and that he hits a home run against the Red Sox. I, I sickly kind of hope for that. And I can't wait to see Garrett Richards swing at the plate and, and try and hit. I'm sure that, that that'll be great, too. So, uh, yeah, not high hopes on my end. Uh, Anderson is a he's a legit top of the rotation guy. Um, I think he outduels Richards here and... I don't know. I I hate to say it, but I have no faith in this Red Sox pitching staff after what's going on. So I'm going for the 0-2 sweep. <laughs> Jason is the most skeptical of us all. Let's put it that way. And I'm I'm not too far behind. I'll, I'll say that. But Charlie, go ahead. Game two here. You're on mute. Shoot. Uh, no, yeah, sorry, as I'm talking to myself. No, it's going to go 0-2. Uh, Ian Anderson is pitching against Garrett Richards. LOL, bro. That's It's like a clown question, bro. As, uh, what's his face, Bryce Harper used to say. That's, what is that, a clown question, bro? Or whatever that phrase was that he used. We're, we're get, Unfortunately, this is going to be an ugly series, and it's going to um, basically be what I said. Like, if people were concerned back in April, uh, you know, before we'd even finished April, uh, May, rather, excuse me. Um, I said, if you guys are scared of May, just wait until June. Just wait, because June's going to be real. This is going to be the month where we either really show ourselves, really show our true colors, or we get our we get our asses handed to us. And unfortunately, this is it's not been fun. It's it's not fun when you get outscored more than two to one to Toronto, thirty one runs to fourteen. Not a fun feeling. So we're pretty unanimous in that the Braves will sweep the Red Sox two games to nothing, and that's in Atlanta. We will be back on Wednesday night. 
Andrew, myself, Job is questionable. We may have uh, someone off the bench in his place. That'll be worked out later. But nonetheless, back on Wednesday night to talk about that two-game set. Uh, 24 hours from this show, however, you can find Hot Take Tuesday, which will actually be on a Wednesday due to the Monday wraparound. But nonetheless, 24 hours after this show, look for uh, still calling it Hot Take Tuesday. Everybody take care.